or the live stream people won't hear it. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get started here, I want to tell you this. Uh, the Lord has changed the direction I was going to go tonight with a message. I was going to be in 2 Thessalonians again, uh, continuing in our study through that book. But I believe the Lord has really changed the direction for tonight. I want to encourage you and challenge you with some things uh, from the Word of God in a couple of different places. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And the Bible says here, gives direction unto him that is able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We know that's talking about the Lord and his ability to do far beyond what we could ever imagine, but it's according to the power that worketh in us. And there's another time in the Bible where this same phrase is used, unto him that is able. And I want you to turn over to the book of Jude, and I want you to look at the end of the book of Jude and look at verse 24. And, and tonight, to be transparent, I'm going to preach the message that I actually preached at the preacher's conference in October, uh, new to you. Um, I'm not preached it here, um, but it is one that I have preached before, but I felt like this was the direction the Lord wanted us to go tonight. And I want you to look at verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight on the subject, Unto Him Who Is Able. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you'd give us direction tonight and instruction from your word. Lord, I pray that you would also encourage our hearts in the days that we live in, Lord, to stand firm on truth. Lord, to not waver, falter, or compromise. But then, Lord, to also understand from this passage who is the one who is actually able to do that. And, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage our hearts with these truths and principles tonight. Strengthen us from your word in the day that we live in, in the evil day. Lord, may we do all that we can to stand. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. These last two verses here, verse 24, verse 25, they're the end of... The book of Jude, sometimes uh, we studied out the book of Jude quite a while ago, a few years ago, I think it was. Uh, but if you remember that at all, there were times when the book of Jude was really involved. It was sometimes hard to understand. Uh, it's, it's pretty deep uh, when, when you dig out the, the truth of it. The language is sometimes hard to understand or difficult. But by the time Jude gets down to the end of this book, his challenge to the readers is to remind us to put our focus squarely where it needs to be. Um, we can focus on a lot of different things. 
in this life. Uh, we're not to focus on the troubles of the day. There's a lot of noise going on out there. There's a lot of things that grab our attention. The politics of the day. Man, that can be super frustrating. And it can make you very angry when you focus in on it. We probably all have been there a time or two. You can think about the disease, COVID, and all the other things that are out there that can really grab your attention. Our attention's not, our focus is not to be on politics. It's not to be on disease. Honestly, our focus is not even to be on false religion, false doctrine, and apostates of the day. That's not really where our focus is to be. Jude's reminder and, and admonition here is to celebrate Jesus Christ, is to focus on Jesus Christ and His name and His power and His ability. And so as Jude brings this whole thing to a close, there's almost a praise. There's a, there's a, a, a thankfulness of heart and praise on His lips as He says, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Jude says with a thankfulness on his heart to praise the Lord, praise the Lord for what He is currently able to do, number one, and ultimately what He will end up doing, number two. He says, praise the Lord for He's able to keep you from falling. That's currently what He's able to do. And in the future, he's going to present you faultless before the Lord with exceeding great joy. Now, before we break these verses down, we need to understand a couple of things. Prior to this ending, Jude gives some instruction. In verse 20, Jude gives instruction and he says here in verse 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So the instruction that Jude gives to the brethren, to beloved, to saints of God, is to build yourself up on your most holy faith. Now the word faith that he's talking about here is the very same faith that he mentions at the beginning of the book. It's the faith once delivered unto the saints. That faith that is once for all time delivered to the saints in verse Three, notice it here. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So Jude says in verse 20, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. The same faith that was delivered unto the saints. The word itself here, faith, means very truth itself. So Jude says, build yourself up on truth. And truth, as you know, is exclusive. There's not many different kinds of truth. There, when something is true or truth, there is only one. It is exclusive. So Jude says, build yourself up on the truth, the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And friend, the truth is the foundation for our life, the foundation on which you build. It's the once for all time delivered to the saints' truth. It is the truth that is revealed in the pages of the Word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay? 
All right, everybody following this? This is groundwork to get to where we're going. So Jude's instruction is, beloved, build yourself up on the truth, the word of God. That is the foundation on which we build the structure of our life. If we do not, we're building on sinking sand. Okay? So Jude says, build yourself up on your most holy faith. There are two things that we're to do in regard to this faith. First of all, build yourself on that faith. So notice the difference here when I get to it. Build yourself on the truth. But he also said in verse 3 to do something else regarding the truth. He said, it was, I wanted to write unto you of the common salvation, but it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So what are the two things that we're to do in regards to the faith? Build yourself on the faith and contend for the faith. All right? We're talking about truth. Build your life on truth, but also contend for truth. Now, there's a good illustration of that in Nehemiah chapter 4. Just keep your place here in Jude and look in Nehemiah chapter 4. And this was in context of the building of the wall that was broken down and in, in, in lay, that lay in ruins. In Nehemiah chapter 4, in verse 17, the Bible says, They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. Here is a great illustration. In one hand was a trowel for building. In the other hand was a sword. And this is a graphic illustration really of how we ought to live our life in the days that we are in now. With one hand, we build our life on the truth of God's word. Uh, with the other hand, we contend for the truth and for the faith that was delivered unto the saints. So Jude's instruction is build up yourselves on your most holy faith. Jude gives some more instruction. Go back over there to Jude and look in verse 21. So build yourselves. Notice the word yourselves. Build yourselves on your most holy faith. And then in verse 21, he says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So the second instruction that Jude gives to the beloved is to keep yourselves in the love of God. Build yourselves on your faith and keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, if we were to really dissect this, we would find that it is impossible for us to ever be removed from the love of God in Christ. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of God or the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or nakedness or peril or sword or any such thing? You get down to verse 38 of that same chapter and Paul says, For I am persuaded 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 39 is the conclusion. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, that brings up a question. Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. But Paul says, there's nothing that can ever separate you from the love of God. So what does Jude mean then? Keep yourselves in the love of Christ. Well, <clears throat> for the sake of time, I'll get right down to it. The problem is not with God's love for us or towards us. The problem is with us. The problem is with our desire to stay in love with the Lord. It's our love toward God that is being addressed here. When, when Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of Christ, he's saying, keep yourself in love with the Lord. It's not God's love toward us, but ours toward Him. And somebody might say, well, I love God. I love God with everything. And you know what? We might really believe and feel like we love God. I think that is true. But you remember that Jesus looked at Peter and came to Peter, and Jesus asked Peter, he said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? In other words, that there are things that pull us away from being in love with the Lord. A lot of it has to do with our focus. So Jude says, build yourselves up in the faith. Jude says, keep yourself in love with the Lord. There's all kinds of distractions and things that can pull us away from being in love with the Lord. These were Jude's instructions to do all these things. But, lest one think that it is up to us, or up to our abilities or up to our own spirituality to be building ourselves in the faith and keeping ourselves in love with the Lord, lest one think that that relies solely on my ability or my spirituality, Jude reminds us in the last two verses, and he directs our attention toward the one who actually has the ability to enable us to do it. That's where he says now, unto him that is able. He's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Here is the divine keeper himself, Jesus Christ, and he alone is worthy of praise. What is he worthy of praise for? For what he's currently able to do, and secondly, what he is ultimately going to do. And these are the things that we will look at here tonight. We're just going to consider two principles, two thoughts. First of all, the person to whom praise is given, and secondly, the reason to praise him. 
the person to whom praise is given, and the reason for the praise in these verses. I don't know if I prayed at all or not, but we'll pray right now and we'll, we'll get right to it, okay? We need the Lord always. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us here with these verses. Lord, encourage and instruct and strengthen us from the Word of God here. In Jesus' name, amen. Consider the person to whom praise is given. Verse 24 says, Now unto Him. Now unto Him that is able. The word unto here means towards, or it gives us direction. So in other words, Jude says, toward Him. Toward Him. Here's the direction. Here's the focus. Unto Him. Toward Him. The word Him is tied to verse 25. Who is he talking about here? Well, verse 25 identifies it for us. To the only wise God, our Savior. This is the Him. So toward Him, the only wise God, our Savior. And I want you to notice a couple of things. Notice how he is described in these verses. First of all, in verse 25, he's described as the only wise God. Unto Him, toward Him, the only wise God. Only, only, only wise God. That is a key word. The word only means soul, S-O-L-E. It means single. And by implication, it means absolutely alone. In other words, there is no other. There's no other God. Unto Him, the only wise God. He's the only one. It means that He is exclusive and there's not another like Him. And you know what? He's the only one who spoke a word and the, the whole universe came into existence. The billions and billions and billions of stars and billions of galaxies in this universe came about simply by a word. He's the only one who can also measure it with the span of his hand. He's the only God. He's exclusive. That's how he's described. But notice how he's to be revered. He's to be revered as majestic. Notice this. He's the only wise God, our Savior. To him be glory and majesty. Notice that he is glorious. To him be glory. Glory goes to him. That word basically means honor. It means greatness. It talks of supremacy. It talks of him being supreme and Lord. He's so glorious, in fact, that when Moses said, I want to see your glory, God said, you can't. It'll kill you. He's to be revered as glorious. He's to be revered as having dominion. He's unto him be glory and majesty and dominion. The word dominion means power. It means strength. It means might. In other words, it tells us that he's the one who's bigger than anything else. He's stronger than anything else. He's absolutely the one who's in control. You know what? The government of the United States is not in control. COVID is not in control. Any other world government is not in control. The United Nations is not in control. They might try to 
tell people what to do. They might try to set laws. They might bring in a bunch of restrictions on freedom-loving people. But ultimately, they are not in control. He has dominion. He is bigger. He is stronger. He's more powerful. He's mighty. And then you look and see that not only is it glory and majesty and dominion, but it's power. So we say, well, you just said he had power. That was the word dominion there. Yeah, but this word power means something completely different. This is the word exousia, and you know what that word means. It means authority. It's the same word that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 28, where he said, all power, that's authority, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he tells his church, I'm giving you my authority to go preach the gospel, to baptize and to disciple those who come to know Jesus Christ. In other words, he's the one who has full authority in all things. He's sovereign. This is how he's to be revered, as majestic, as glorious, as great, as honorable, as supreme, as powerful, as strength, as mighty, as authoritative, as sovereign. And then you notice... Dominion and power, both now and ever. He's to be revered as eternal, both now and ever, without end. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Again, keep your place here. In 1 Timothy chapter 1. And look at verse 17. 1 Timothy 1.17, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Who is He? He's the King. He's the King eternal, who is due all glory and honor. He's the only wise God. And this is the one to whom praise is to be given. Jude says, Unto him, the focus on him, the only wise God, the powerful, majestic, mighty, supreme God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Did you notice that part in there? To the only wise God, our Savior. Hey, a great verse to prove the deity of Jesus Christ, amen? That he's both Lord and God. He's the one to whom praise is given. But the question is, why? Why? What's the reason to praise? Go back to verse 24. Now unto him that is able. Notice that? The reason to praise, we know who he is. We know who Jude's talking about. We know where the focus ought to be. We know the instruction that Jude gave to keep yourselves in the love of God and to build yourself up on your most holy faith. But if you think that's totally up to you, I want to direct your attention to the one who actually does have the ability, him who is able. He's able. It's the Greek word dunamai. 
It means to be possible. It means to be of power. All right? He's able to be of power. To be of power to what? Well, the very next word, to keep. He's of power to keep. This is a great, great word. There's two Greek words in our English Bible that is, tra- that is translated as keep. One means to watch over or care for. It's a verb that is used of one who might be caring for a sick person. They can't do it for themselves. They need somebody to care for them, all right, to keep them. It might be used of a shepherd who is caring for sheep, who's watching out for them, who's keeping the sheep. That's one of the two Greek words that's translated as keep in our New Testament. The other one is the Greek word phulaso, and it means to watch in case of attack. It means to watch in case of attack, and it stresses safe custody even under attack. Now, how much confidence would there be in your life if there's an attack that's happening out there, but I'm in a place that is so safe that I don't care about the attack because it can't hurt me? You following that? Unto him who is of power, who's able to keep, to keep, to, it stresses safe custody under attack. In other words, Jesus Christ has the ability to keep you safe even while under attack. Do you ever feel attacked at times? Have you ever felt attacked? Maybe it's by people. Maybe it's by circumstance. Maybe it's by a government that keeps ratcheting down, right? More and more with mandates and vaccines and all of this mess and so on. I mean, I just read today. Now, this is actually happening in New York already. But I just read today that in Minneapolis, St. Paul, they've passed a mandate that you can't go into a restaurant and eat without a COVID vaccine passport. You can't go to a movie. You can't go to a sporting event without having a COVID vaccine passport and proof of it. You can't do anything that you would normally do in society and you've got governments that are ratcheting down bringing the walls in control more and more you might feel attacked right because you're just a freedom-loving person there's all kinds of things i suppose that could bring attack or how that could make you feel attack attacked but you know what we ought we ought not be surprised They're starting to pass laws, in fact, related to gender identity that in all actuality, if it all boils down and comes right down to it, to stand up here and preach the word of God, thus saith the Lord, would make you a criminal. You don't think attacks aren't coming? 
Well, we shouldn't be surprised about that. They are coming and they're going to get worse because all they that live in godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's what the Bible says. You ever feel some discomfort? You ever feel discouraged? Circumstances of life? People who fail? People who let you down? All kinds of other things? You feel discouraged? We have those emotions, we have those feelings sometimes, but what security is ours in Jesus Christ when we understand that He is able to keep you even under attack? Safety. He's able to keep us. Now that's great. But what can't be missed here is the context in which this is written. What is the context of the book of Jude? The context is about false doctrine. The context is about false teaching. The context is about apostasy and compromise. That is the context in which Jude writes. In other words, what he's saying is, friend, listen, we can be kept by his power and his ability, even in the days of apostasy, even in the days of compromise, when there's an attack, there's safety in Christ. Now, I'm a little passionate about this right now. Because listen, friend, even when others are falling, even when others are going by the wayside. What is apostasy? It's a falling away from truth. It's a falling away from truth that we're supposed to build our life on. Right? Jude says, build yourselves up on the faith, on the truth. Apostasy is a falling away from truth. And you can't fall away from something you never had to begin with. So a day of apostasy, which Jesus said would come before the time of the Antichrist, there would be a great falling away. I believe that's the day we're living in. And when other people are falling by the wayside, in a day of compromise, he's able to keep you. He's got the ability. Listen, there are things that are going on in churches and with pastors, that if you told me this was going to happen any time ago, I would have said, absolutely not. That would never happen. It can't possibly happen. There's no way I believe that. There are things going on in churches and with pastors even now where, where that's the case, and I would never believe it. But it's happening. Friend, here's the point I'm trying to make. There's absolutely a war that is going on right now. And it's a war that's far bigger than a war for freedom or a war for the American way. There's a war for truth going on. And it's a war for truth in your life. Truth in your life, friend is under attack. And Isaiah 59, 14 says that there's a time when truth is fallen in the streets. But he has the ability 
to do some things. There's some things that are listed here that he has a power to do. Notice, unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Here's what he's able to do and why he's worthy of praise, because he is able to keep you from falling. This word falling comes from a Greek word that's used only one time in the New Testament. And it's used right here. And it basically means to stumble or stumbling. So what Jude is saying is that he is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from stumbling. And once again, we must turn our attention to the reason that Jude wrote this book. He wrote to warn of false teachers. He wrote to warn of apostasy. He wrote to warn of compromise. And he's saying that Jesus Christ, the almighty, powerful God, is of power to keep you from stumbling in a day of apostasy and compromise. It's a warning that Jude wrote. Notice the warning that he gives and those that he describes in verse 4. Jude says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here he says that these men are crept in unawares. What's the implication of something that creeps in, but it's not noticed, it's and, and it's unaware, you're unaware of it. Well, you look in the context of a New Testament church, basically what Jude is saying is they crept in unawares, meaning that, listen, they looked like us, they talked like us, but they weren't actually us. They crept in unawares. They looked good. They looked like it was right. But they actually seduce, according to what Jude says. And friend, you know what? Churches and people end up becoming weak in their Christian life. They become seduced in their Christian life. And it's always because of a neglect of truth in their life. Somewhere along the line, there's a neglecting of truth. Looks like things are good on the outside but there's something very sinister on the inside. And Jude says, build yourself up on faith, on the truth. Build yourself on the truth. There's a neglect of truth somewhere along the line. People begin to rebel against God and His truth. People begin to follow their own ideas and their own philosophies and their own doctrines, doctrines of men. They begin to follow these things instead of truth. And listen, doctrine so often in people's life is doctrine of convenience and not doctrine of conviction. It's good to hold this line right now. It's good and beneficial to believe this right now because, you know, that's what everybody's doing and that's what everybody believes. And so it's good for the moment to say, I believe this. But listen, when the, when the rubber meets the road and the, conv and, the, and the conviction is challenged and it changes, that was a doctrine of convenience. 
not a doctrine of conviction, as evidenced by change. Now, people can come to a greater understanding of truth. Okay, you come to a greater understanding of truth, a more biblical position, amen. That's a good change to make, right? Because it lines up with the standard of God's word. But when we start to depart from the standard of God's word and the truth that was once delivered unto the saints, friend, that is doctrine that is out of convenience and not conviction. There are doctrines like the doctrine of the local church, for example. Maybe we should just say church because there's really only one kind in the New Testament. The doctrine of the church should impact every area of ministry and every area of service to Christ. It ought to impact everything. But when we start to take on the mindset where we pick and choose which doctrines we really want to live by and which ones are are not as convenient at the time, we take on the mindset, well, I don't have to do everything like they did in the New Testament. Watch out. Watch out. That's a recipe for compromise. Sometimes preaching and pastoring becomes easy or it becomes routine. And it's more like a job, and I don't have to study as hard. I've learned all of these things. And we start to recook sermons and all kinds of other things like that. We're not digging into the Word of God. It's a recipe for compromise. Sometimes saints of God get tired in their Christian life. Sometimes saints of God get tired in the fight. And it's hard to stand. It's hard to stand in the evil day. It's hard to be different. It's hard to say, I don't care what anybody says, and I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm be true to my Savior. When there's constant bombardments all around. It's hard to live holy and godly and separated in this present world. Constantly attacked. Saints get tired. You get tired in the fight. It's hard to stand. And it becomes easier to just sort of give in. Am I connecting? It's just easier to kind of go along or blend in, not make a scene. And what happens? We start to neglect the truth and we can begin to stumble. We can begin to stumble. But, but, he... Christ is of power. He's able to keep you from stumbling even when you're under attack.
What a great truth. Saint of God, church member, hold the line. Hold the line. Don't give an inch. Don't compromise. Stand in the evil day. Stand in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And do all that you can to stand. He's able to keep you from stumbling. Amen? Keep yourselves. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Oh, I love God. Oh, I'm spiritual. No, I'm not. I need the one who actually has the ability to keep me from stumbling. What a great truth. Gird your loins about with truth. Amen? He's able to keep you from stumbling, even under attack. But what else is he able to do? Well, verse 24 says that he's able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He's able to present you faultless. He's of power to do that. The word present, it means to stand or to stand you. In other words, it has the meaning and the idea that someone else is doing the standing. Okay? It's not under my own strength. Someone else is standing me up. So it means to stand, present, to stand you, to present you. Someone else is doing the work. To present you faultless. The word faultless means unblemished. It means unblameable. It was a word that was initially used in a sacrificial context. It was originally applied to the animal sacrifices where there was to be a lamb that was without blemish. It was spotless. It was perfect. That's where the word originally came from. It was a word that was also used of the Lord Jesus Christ more than one time. In fact, it was the same word that describes Jesus Christ in 1 Peter 1 and verse 19 that says that we are saved by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It's a word that was used of the Lord's church, the New Testament church in Ephesians 5. Turn over there with me. Ephesians 5 and verse 25. You know these verses. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's the word that is being used here where Jude says he is able to stand you unblemished, unblameable, faultless. I think that's amazing that Christ wants to present himself a glorious church that doesn't have a spot or wrinkle or any such thing that is without blemish. That is how he wants to stand you and me 
before God the Father in the presence of His glory. And it brings Him a lot of joy to do it. To do it with exceeding joy. This is what He wants to do. And listen, the realization and the revelation of that truth and and just the the thinking and the realization of that vision and that thought of how the Lord wants to stand me before God the Father is almost too much to, to handle. How is that possible? Because I know what I am, and you know what you are, and oh, wretched man that I am! And yet, He is able to stand you before God the Father unblameable, without blemish. Amen? He's the power to do that. I know I sure can't do that. And what is wanted of us by Christ? Notice this and understand this. What is wanted of us by Christ is to make His ability an actuality in my life. That's what he wants to do and accomplish. His ability and actuality in my life. It's a miracle. It's a miracle of divine power that can not only keep such feeble creatures as we to keep us from stumbling here and faltering when we're attacked. In a day of compromise, he can keep us strong and standing. But not only that, He can then present us as stainless and blameless before the presence of God. All of that can be done. And all of that will be found as we stay true to this book. What we're to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, the truth. He's able to do all of that if we'll stay true to this book. Day of compromise. May the Lord help us. Amen. To stand in the evil day. And stand in the power of His might because He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him who's able. Let's praise the Lord, but let's let's stand confident in His abilities. Amen? And let's be determined by God's grace to stay true to this book. Don't waver. Hold the line. Don't move an inch. Don't compromise. Let God be glorified in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, use the word tonight to bring encouragement to your people. It's hard to stand. It's hard to be strong and to live by conviction. Living in this present world. (coughs) But unto Him, toward Him, praise is given toward Him who's able to keep us safe custody under attack, to keep us from stumbling. We don't have to compromise. And He's able to present us before God with exceeding joy, pure, unblameable, 
What an amazing thing. We praise you for that tonight. Help us to live by conviction. Help us to, Lord, to have a conviction to stand with truth, to never waver from it, to not neglect it in our life or in our church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.